I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks. It is Monday, August 23rd, that we're recording this for release on August 30, which means... It's the end of August. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do it. I'm saying saying nothing. It's almost September. It's almost Labor Day weekend. Mum season. I did see mums out. Oh, the flower. Yeah. (laughs) Not mums a word. Like the flower mums. I thought you were saying like moms, but like British. (laughs) (laughs) What have you been watching lately? I want to watch it too. I I can't pull that off. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Um... Yeah, mums, so fall, it's at least 10 degrees cooler than it usually is. I'm I'm sorry, do we live in the same city? In my house, it's cooler. It was 93 degrees yesterday. Wow. At least it, it didn't feel that way in my house. Saturday was we lovely. Had, Saturday was cool. I think that's what happened. We had a couple days of cooler temps mm-hmm. that I think brought it down, and my house just hasn't rebounded yet. Wow. That's nice. Um, brace yourself because we've got 90s all week. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, I've got some really sad news. Uh-oh. Yeah. So we got a little lax with the pool maintenance. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> Learning some really hard lessons. Oh, no. Hard, hard lessons. And you know how we had some of those storms that came through? Yeah, and, they're wild. Um, the cover wasn't on. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. And so it's all out of whack. Oh, all no. All out of whack. And there's like a a white, stringy, snot-like algae <laughs> growing. <in> it. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> If you want to come over and swim. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I am uh, desperately reading through pool forums online <laughs> trying to figure out how, how to get rid of it. Oh, I got to say, being a pond maintainer, mm-hmm. the race against algae is nonstop. Right? Yeah. And it's just one of those, like, if you get... Uh, behind it yeah. instead of in front of it, you're fucked. Yeah. I just noticed this weekend, I went out and I was like, oh, no, it's back. And told my husband, you can't go on a fire until you fix the algae in the pond. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just I, – I just need a better overall picture of chemicals, like the – like what does what and what mm-hmm. they're supposed to be at and if this happens you add this if this happens you add that and um it's a learning curve that i haven't quite conquered yet clearly yeah. pool maintenance no joke man no joke <laughs> so we'll see but i'm i'm trying to extend the life of it as long as we continue to have these 90 degree days and weeks but i don't know we might have to shut it down that would be such a shame since I have yet to get into it. <laughs> All right. Let me see what if I could work some magic. <laughs> <sighs> okay. All right. 
How was your weekend otherwise? You know, it was good. It was busy. Um, it was super busy. But I had this very um, Americana-type day on Friday. Mm. I know. It's just, like, wholesome, as Gabriel would say. He's like, that, that was some, like, wholesome community shit. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> So I had my first practice of my softball team that I'm coaching mm-hmm. as head coach, not backup coach. <gasps> no longer backup. Um, and so that was fun. Met I have 13 players, so met all of them. And then went directly from that to a uh, political house party for my friend who's a can- candidate who's running for office here. And it was just, you know, like a couple streets over from my house and then left there and went to the pool, which was just a couple streets away from there, um, where they had a back to school night with all the families from my kids' school. And so it was just felt real small town community, you know? Uh-huh. I also just want our listeners to know that all of that happened after 5 p.m., Yes, like, is. this was not an all-day affair. This was Mm-mm. real packed in. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, I was winning. Like, <laughs> uh, the fact that I made it to each place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt good. <laughs> what about you? How was your weekend? Oh, well, you know that candidate of whom you speak, um, I am a little bit involved in the campaign as well. Just a little bit. In that I'm managing it. Yep. And so it was it was a wild weekend. And I know I know this was going to come, right? We were going to get to a point in the pandemic when things would be happening again. But I feel like and th- this is totally speculation. I have no data to s- support this whatsoever. But I feel like with Delta variant rising and concerns about everything happening in the fall, it's like we're squishing everything into the last yes. few weeks we have of like really gorgeous weather. I agree. And so it is non-fucking stop. It is. I mean, everybody's panicking, right? Yeah. Because we, maybe some of us were lulled into a false sense of hope and security at the beginning of the summer mm-hmm. that we were, you know, moving forward, going to start having in-person events and be able to actually, God forbid, have them inside. Yeah. <laughs> and then Delta variant came around and was like, uh-uh, not happening. And so now everybody, especially in Colorado, because we could have snow here in like a month, yeah, is saying, oh my God, we have, like, you, you have to have it outside and we only have so many weeks that we can have things outside. So let's just have it all. Do it all. Do it all at Do once. Do it all. Yeah. So I am feeling the pressure of that. Um, mm. And just like my entire self adjusting to like having it just be me and the cats and Zoom for a year and a half. Yep. To then all of these events all at once. So I am I am exhausted. I'm at mm-hmm. a new level of exhaustion than I've remembered in a long time. It's so true, isn't it? I mean, I had um, one of those days yesterday, as you know, because I reached out to you and told you I couldn't get off my couch. And um, I just, I look back on my life pre-pandemic and I just don't know how I did it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, all of the like going to work every day, the office, having meetings, having after work 
meetings or after work engagements on the weekends. I mean, just constantly go, 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 go. All the kids stuff, you know, whether they're involved in some sporting activity, but also just the school stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so much of that, obviously, the last 18 months has happened online and it just doesn't seem as cumbersome. And now the thought of all of that all the time. Oof. I, I am appreciating I'm having more work things be Zoom mm-hmm. when we could meet in person. Yeah. But people are just realizing, like, for some of these, it's easier just to all get us on Zoom. And so I'm I'm sure things will will flatten out a bit. We'll we'll calm the fuck back down. <laughs> yeah. Until then, it's just running a little bit ragged. Um, but hey, listeners, get involved in local politics. It's fun. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, I had a couple more of the of those meetings this weekend where you meet someone that you've only known oh, yeah. on Zoom. Totally. Oh my god, it's so much fun. It's so fun, but also a little intimidating like I had one of those last night at this house party I'm looking at this woman across the room I'm like I know her where the fuck do I know her from what is her name and she finally comes up and introduces herself and yeah oh we sit on a committee together and we've been on zoom every month <laughs> and I just I couldn't like my brain couldn't fully connect the whole body perspective in with right? my memory of her <laughs> well I heard someone call zoom the great equalizer mm. because um I was talking to a woman who's quite tall and she was saying that often when she goes places that that can be intimidating for people. Mm -hmm. And so on Zoom, nobody knows how tall she is. And so it's just the great equalizer. I thought that was interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Um, That woman happened to be a board member of mine. Oh, curious. And actually, some of these uh, people who I met for the first time are board members. (laughs) Met first time in person. In person, yeah, yeah. Which is a great segue into what we're talking about today. That it is. Oh, but not before. Not before. Jokes jokes with with Mia. Mia. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So... This one's really special for you, Brittany. Um, I was talking to my husband last night, and I was just like, God, I am just not in a good state. And he goes, oh, no, Ohio? (laughs) (laughs) That's getting you back for wearing your Ohio State mask and having some random dude goad me in a parking lot last week. Thank you very little. Which made my week. (laughs) It made my week. Everybody, it was so amazing. So I show up at this meeting that Nia's at. Everybody's putting their mask on. I pull my The Ohio State University mask out, put it on. She's like, whatever. We're in a professional setting. She doesn't want to have words. (laughs) We're leaving the building. And as, as soon as we walk outside, this guy turns around and says, go Bucks." And I said, O-H. And he said, I-O. And then I said, she went to Michigan. <laughs> he booed her. <laughs> Some random dude in a parking lot. Oh, my gosh. It was so amazing. <laughs> Why do we not have camera crews following us around so we can capture that kind of shit? <laughs> Forever. 
it was so beautiful. It's like I couldn't have paid it to to happen any more naturally and more awesome. Yes. And so we're talking about boards today. <laughs> Quick pivot. <laughs> well, that's another thing that's coming up. What? Football season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So kind of forget ready, about listeners. that. Oh, my gosh. I know. Our first game, I'm looking at the schedule right in front of me, September 2nd. Let's see. The big game, November 27th. Listeners, put that on your calendar. Ohio State-Michigan game, November 27th. That'll be a week after you and I go to a show together to further solidify our friendship so that it might (laughs) maintain through the game. (laughs) Do you know what? I think that actually might be the week of our 100th episode. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how the stars align. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that could be fun. <laughs> so stay tuned. <laughs> Lots of trash talking to come. Oh, I can't wait. All right. So boards. So boards. So we are on, again, our four-part series. We already did recruitment, which included identification, figuring out who you needed, et cetera. Then we did vetting, figuring out if it's a good fit. We're going to assume that the vote happened, and now we are onboarding these fabulous new board members. The vote happened at a board meeting that the candidate was not at. Right, right. Okay, yeah. So since then, the board chair has called and been like, oh, my gosh, we're so excited for you to join the board. Now what do we do? Now what do you do? Mm-hmm. Well, nothing, right? Now they're just on it. <laughs> Here's the calendar. See you next month. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, I don't remember if it was in this series or just in many of our prior episodes, but you have talked very fondly about compiling board books. I was thinking about that today. (laughs) This is where you say, welcome to the board. Here is this well-organized, comprehensive notebook for you to bring every week. Bring it with you. You can write your notes in it. You can put the financials you get in it. And then if you need a story, um, we're going to put a profile of a story of one of our clients Um, If you need a description of all of our different programs, we're going to have that in there. Do you need the contact info of all your fellow board members? That's in there. Literally everything you could ever want is in this board book. It should be a staple for you. As you're saying that, I realized I had a board book compiled by Brittany Wilson. No way! But, (laughs) but... Uh, being the person who I am, I have repurposed it. <laughs> oh. I was so excited. I just went and pulled it out. It still has tabs, but um, none of them are relevant anymore because I oh. realized that as soon as you print out a board book, it is immediately obsolete. Not only is it immediately obsolete, it immediately ends up in the bottom of someone's closet in their house and never appears again. Never. Uh I had one board member who brought his board book every time, and I told him that he made my heart smile every time he pulled that out of his messenger bag. I would just be like, oh, my God, thank you so much. 
one. 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 Count them one. So, of course, the board book is meant to provide all this background information, equip board members to understand what has happened, um, to have bylaws, etc. But the reality is they get it once, maybe even an opportunity to flip through it, and then it sits on the bottom of a shelf. Nobody uses it. But what they end up doing is saying that they can't do something else. So, hey, everyone, it's the end of the year. Could you send something out to your contacts and encourage them to give? Well, Brittany, I don't have, do you have like a story I could use? Or, you know, do you have any statistics from the following year? Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, I do. And actually, so do you in your board book. But they don't use it. They never use it. Well, and I do think that the piece about it being obsolete so quickly is a big issue. That's true. But I think if it's done well, yeah, that's what I was whatever. Gonna say. I'm not going to advocate for a board book, but I mean, the idea is that they're constantly updating it. Right. That if everybody's using it, then you every year are printing out, like giving the new annual report, printing out like updated information for them to store in it. But instead, it's all of, like hours upon hours upon hours of getting these ready. And then that's it. So the better solution might be a shared drive. Yes. Um, soon after, Miss Brittany Wilson put together a board book for me and other new board members. We did convert to that um, with mixed successes, I would say. Yeah. Um, the Some of the biggest issues with a shared drive is, first off, you have to actually train people to use it. And I don't just mean like, here's how you click and open it, although that can also be important. But how you are going to have naming conventions for files, how it's going to be organized, because you have seven committees and every committee uses it differently, and so you can't find the shit you need. It can be a mess. And then, again, it becomes obsolete because nobody knows where to find the things they need, and so they disregard it, and they just ask staff for what they think is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it also... Any of those shared drive things, as great as they are, it also puts a lot of hands into a pot. And so you just have to be careful about things not being changed and saved. Mm-hmm. And, um, But yeah, I mean, I don't feel like people use that stuff either. <laughs> and we continue the three-episode <laughs> trend of Brittany being entirely disenfranchised <laughs> and disenchanted with boards. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Well, this is where I'm like, you tell me. You tell me what would be helpful. Yeah. So. How about board trainings, like orientations? <clears throat> Those, I think, um, are great. Uh, and I've never done any of them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. I mean, I think we've said this before, and I want to say it again and just reiterate that, you know, this isn't just like shit on board members all day long. There, we, well, a little bit, but we have our own accountability too as organizations, and I do think that this is where we tend to drop the ball is like, hey, welcome to our board. And then, you know, 
they're involved in a board meeting once a month, once every other month, and and that's it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think doing some sort of board orientation. How have you done them before? Yeah, so here, I'll, I'll go through what I don't think is super effective and then what is. Mm-hmm. Um, what I far too commonly see is, um, let's just assume it's a small cohort bringing on, you know, two, three people. They schedule a time to meet with the executive director who goes through – Here's how our organization runs. Here's what our programs are. Good luck. That's not super effective to me. Yes, it is helpful because you do need that background on how things operate within the organization. But you're also being oriented to a very specific role. And that's one, that that piece of it should be done by board members. So the best orientations are jointly provided by board and staff. They're going to talk about Yes, those key things. What what are our financial realities? What are the key things that the board has been grappling with lately? How are our programs performing? The, you know, the basics. But then it's also going to be like, this is what board governance means to us. Yeah. Here's how we operate. Here are what our committees look like and how we're utilizing them. And so it's a much more holistic per- picture for board members specifically. Yeah. I always say if your board orientation feels like something that anybody off the street could take and get just as much out of it as a board member, then that's probably just like an organizational 101, which, yeah, right. go ahead, open it up to potential volunteers and donors. That sounds like a great thing. But that's not a board orientation. Like this is where they should be able to have pretty in-depth conversations like what's actually working? What's not? How are board expectations being met? What can I be doing to be a more effective board member? Um, And so what I'll often recommend, actually, is that staff join for the first half, but then the second half, it is just current board members with new board members having these kinds of conversations so that it can be a really open dialogue about what it means to be on this board. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, now that I'm remembering, I did orientations with board members Um, But it was one-on-one with me. So I love the idea of there being other board members there or the board chair. Um, And it was basically to go through the board book to say, here are all the resources available for you. And to also have them fill out their commitment forms and their, um, what are those, like the non-compete forms? Confidentiality and whistleblower policies and those kinds of things. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I did work somewhere once where they had a board buddy system set up, which I thought was really great. Um, And I was a part of that um, because I was a board member at this Ah. place and then became a staff member. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I kind of went through it myself Mm -hmm. and then I saw it from the staff perspective. Yep. Um, and I thought that was really nice, too, of just having someone who's been on the board at least a year who can help, you know, bring along a new board member. So when they show up for their first meeting, if it's in person, they feel like they already know someone at least yeah. um, and can give them that uh, peer-to-peer mm-hmm. information. Yeah. Which, as you say that, I'm now remembering I haven't talked to my board buddy who I'm supposed to be supporting in two months. Uh, so I'm going to email her today. Make sure Shame she's okay. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I fully agree. I think board buddies are fantastic. Um, especially when there's a little bit of structure. And I mm-hmm. genuinely mean a little bit. 
this is not something that needs to be cumbersome, but it there should be some expectations like you're going to check in with your new board member buddy after the first meeting. You're going to meet at least once, however often, um, because I think too often we do that that matching process. You know, John's going to be great with Joe. Let's get them together. And then the follow up doesn't happen. Mm hmm. And we want new board members to know, like, that's a place to bring all your questions, too. Like, okay, they were throwing around this acronym. I didn't want to stop the meeting. What the fuck does this mean? Yep. Or it seems like this discussion might have hit a nerve. Can you give me a little bit more background on that so I can be equipped to engage with it next time? Or Absolutely. I'm interested in sitting on this committee. How would I go about doing that? Right? Like, a board buddy can actually be a really great way to integrate people and ensure that they're able to actively participate um, as long as there are some expectations set forth and buddies agree to it. Right. Absolutely. I think it's especially important with bigger boards. Oh, yeah. You know, boards that have 20 plus people on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can get lost. Feel very in- yeah, it can feel very intimidating. It's also easy just to kind of like fade into the background. Mm-hmm. So making sure that new board members, um, like you said, that you can answer, they have someone to ask all those questions to that they don't necessarily want to do publicly. And um, also as a way just to make sure that they're feeling engaged. Yeah, for sure. How about the internal onboarding that staff have to do? When they're newly hired? No, when new board members come on. Oh. You know how you'll bring a bunch of new board members on and then the executive director or whomever forgets to tell the rest of the staff? And then yep. six months later, it's like, John's not on the website yet? Oh, my gosh. Nobody had Susie fill out these forms? Yep. <laughs> yep. And, you know, there's – especially now, there's just not as much opportunity – for that crossover of board and staff, meaning, you know, when there's not in-person events that Mm, they're mm -hmm. all going to. And so it's so easy. I mean, how many times have you talked to a staff member that's like, I have no idea who's on our board. Oh, yeah. All the time. All the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's really important as well and is often overlooked is including staff um, in sort of the board, like the whole onboarding uh, process for new board members. Totally. Well, and here's too, I know we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but where like if there's a volunteer coordinator position, they should totally be involved. Like, you know, they've got checklists for what they do with new volunteers. You need checklists for new board members. I, the last board that I I was on um, and doing like some of the nominating committee stuff, we actually sat with staff and helped create that because they always felt like, there was something getting dropped, something missing. And so just together, we brainstormed all the things they have to do, um, all the things we want the board member to do. And then we used it both during recruitment so we could say, like, here are the things that are coming that you're going to have to do once you get on board. And then the staff knew exactly what to look for. Um, and it, it was so helpful. And I just kept thinking, gosh, why don't more organizations do this? I, it made me feel genuinely bad that the staff kind of felt like they were floundering in this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you brought up such a great example of why aren't they on the website? Um, you know, another place that it comes up a lot is with grants oh, yeah. and having to submit um, a board list and an up-to-date one. Yeah. And 
when the grants manager has no idea that, you know, three people from that list have rolled off or mm-hmm. stepped off. You know, we've had board members take hiatuses yeah. um, or have left midterm because of, you know, personal reasons. And then that's not communicated. Right. And it's just, it's considered an afterthought, which just makes staff feel. Oh, yeah. Even more separate mm-hmm. from the power structure of yeah. the board of directors. Or you do get, you find out that you've got some new board members, but then you get to that one grant that asks for additional info on the board list and you you don't have it. Like, I don't know where they live. I don't know what their background was. I know they got voted on and they have a three-year term. <laughs> yep. Yep. So that's a really good point. We actually created a survey for all of our board members and we did it last year like as a reaction for needing that information mm-hmm. to a grant. And we have a cycle, like we have a, um, you know, we were talking about before a, a recruitment cycle and it starts in like January, February, they get decided by June and then they officially start um, in September, end of August, September. So anyways, we have uh, three new board members starting and we decided there's always a, um, so there's always new people coming on every year and some people rolling off. And then we have a board retreat, which we can talk about too. Um, anyways, point is we've decided to take this survey and make it an annual thing that happens at the start of the board year that can capture all the new people Mm -hmm. and also be a way for us to um, make sure that we eliminate the people who have rolled off. Very smart. Yep. Mm -hmm. And just make it mandatory that they have to fill it out. And because, you know, they might fill it out for some reason with their application, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't even know where those end up going. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, who has those? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Not at a single nonprofit ever does anybody know. (laughs) So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we've done an orientation. We've made sure they've gotten their necessary info to staff. They've done background checks if that's necessary, um, which we should say more about in a minute. We've gotten them set up with a board buddy. Now they're coming to their first board meeting as a new board member. Mm-hmm. And here is again where folks forget you got to treat that meeting special. Yeah. Like, let's make sure there's time on the agenda for some introductions. Yes. Let's make sure we have name tags or placards so that people can actually start to learn names. Let's make sure we're actually realizing that we're bringing new people into an existing group and we want them to feel welcome. Exactly. This, exactly. This is where if you've got like that person who's really good at celebrations, ask them to bring food and extra special things so that it makes it clear that this is a unique opportunity and a welcoming environment. I love how you said make sure there's room on the agenda. Yeah. Because I feel like that's what ends up happening is that it's kind of put at the end. Oh, Totally. And then, or it's just like maybe a, a quick at the beginning, and we've got our newborn members joining us. Thank you, yeah. Sue and Joan and whatever. And then that's it. And it's like straight into business. Yep. Let's vote and on a budget, that, folks. Yeah, <laughs> <What>? exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
And then here um, at the very end, you know, when there's supposed to be time for something more, but you've run out of time. It's been a two-hour board meeting. Everyone, it's, you know, past eight o'clock at night. Everybody just wants to go. They want to go. Yeah. You know, one thing that our board does, which I think is nice, it's not necessary. It's not specific to onboarding, but it is something that they do at the beginning of every board year, and so it kind of coincides with when the new board members are coming on. Is putting together their operating principles. Oh, I like that. Say more about what that looks like. Yeah, so um, it's usually spearheaded by the board chair, and um, they show kind of what was decided on the year before. And then uh, board members have an opportunity to vote for their top three or five, whatever they want to choose. And they just have a bunch of statements, probably like 30 statements, um, that read through of uh, be respectful Mm -hmm. to other people's opinions, even if you don't agree with them. Mm -hmm. Or be present at every meeting. Or... um, have fun like Mm -hmm. sometimes it's as simple as that but like what do we want our operating principles to be so as we go through this board year and we're making decisions and we're having tough conversations and we're maybe not always seeing eye to eye what are we all promising that we're going to do um you know to so that people feel like they have a voice feel like they can speak up even if it's like a dissenting opinion Mm -hmm. um and is welcoming. I love that. That's great. And then it's printed on every board meeting agenda. Oh, so every meeting, it's kind of like, all right, let's get grounded in our operating principles before we move forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to one of the things I said real briefly, uh, background checks. Yes. <laughs> oh, these, the, these things continue to... Uh, kick my ass and they shouldn't it should be real straightforward but as uh, long-time listeners will know I spend a lot of time working in child welfare spaces and so of course we we have to run background checks and sometimes it's even mandated by the state just because of the type of organization we are any volunteers have to be background checked Um, and sometimes those can take a really fucking long time yeah, which is happening right now. Yeah, it's super bad. In a major way. Yeah. Major way. So what we would do um, is take a vote that would say pending background checks. So like mm. we uh-huh. we are inviting this person to join the board pending a background check. And so they wouldn't be a voting member until that background check was actually back. Uh-huh. Um, depending on the situation, we, you know, if – if there was a delay or something, we'd probably let them come and attend a meeting, participate in discussion, but again, not be a voting member until that had happened. Um, because that's – if something came back in that check and most nonprofits, you know, you've got some sort of public disclosure requirement. So somebody could ask for our minutes. We wanted to make sure that any decisions that were made were clean. Yep. Um but really the thing that would always bite me in the butt would be the reruns of the background checks. Right? Like th- three to five years whenever they expired. Oh. Oh, my gosh. And maintaining the list of when people need new ones and reaching out to them and making sure they happen. And oh, my God. 
That's such a good point. I wonder if our board terms were always less than the life of a background check. Because I don't remember ever doing reruns. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, they might be happening. And I'm not talking about the current place that I'm employed at. I'm actually talking about other places uh-huh. that I've worked at. Well, one of the other places that you worked at, I can say um, – we we went through hell trying to figure out who needed new ones and who didn't mm-hmm. and came to find out we had horrible record keeping on it. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. couldn't confirm that board members had initial ones to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so attempted to institute a process. Um, mm-hmm. As far as I can tell, that has not been maintained. So I <laughs> – did you ever get the board member who was like, well, I don't need a background check because I already got one at this other place. Yeah. All the time. Right. All the time. So just so you know, when doesn't somebody work needs that a way. background, it doesn't work that way. They're not transferable. <laughs> or how about, um, well, I don't need a background check because I work at this government facility and I'm at like, uh, what is that called? Clearance Security level. clearances. Yes. yes. <laughs> Security clearance X. And so I don't need a background check. And it's oh like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Yes, you do. I don't care if you're the president of the United States. Like, if you're volunteering for us, we need you to do a brand new background check right now yeah. with us. Yes, every time. Every time. Well, I, I know you had this in one of the organizations you worked with, um, as did I. We had two different background checks there was the criminal background check, right? Like, yep. did they actually have any misdemeanors, felonies, et cetera? But then also the child welfare background check. Like, yes. had them or their family ever had any civil case involving children against them? And we'd always get pushed back on, like, why do you need to? Like, if it's a big enough deal, it'll hit the criminal case. And I'm like, yeah, that's not actually how any of this works. Um, mm-hmm. And so we had it happen once. You did? <sighs> um <laughs> Thankfully, we had put in place the, like, you're not on the board till this comes back. And so the background check came back before what would have been their first meeting. And uh, they had an extensive child welfare history in another state. Yikes. And when asked, this person said, I didn't think you would be able to see that. Ah. Right? Uh, yeah, I didn't – I've never had that with a board member. I had that with a um, staff member that I was hiring yeah. that that asked if I could wait to run the background check like two weeks because um, they were involved in like a settlement, which would then lock their records. <laughs> so it wouldn't show up if I ran it in two weeks. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. funny. Uh, on the volunteer side, I had a volunteer who said, can you run this right away? And at first I thought she was just like excited to get involved. And then I realized that wasn't the case. just happened the night before. We got her background check back and I had to call her and she was like, oh, yeah, they just put one of those like breathalyzer to start my car things in. Mm-hmm. And part of her job would have been to like drive kids around. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't have you doing that. No, no. And are you serious? You just want me to, like, not know? Right, right. 
people are wild. It's true. And I know a lot of that stuff can be very complicated. Totally. Like with the courts and and I, I understand how it can be um, debilitating for people who are seeking employment or wanting to give back and volunteer. Yeah. And, you know, what you read isn't the whole story. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, that's such a good point. Like, we never had hard and fast policies. Like, if something happens in your background check, you can't. But it was right. an important conversation we needed to have. Right. Of, like, what what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Like, the fact that you thought we wouldn't pull child welfare records from another state, what were you hiding? Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. a lot. It was a lot that he was hiding. Oh, man. Yeah. Ugh. Good reminder. Um, yes. Sometimes predators really want to be involved in your organization because it gets them closer to the bad things they're doing. True. Oh, that's the sick, icky stuff. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, We can stop talking hopefully. about sexual predators and talk about boards. <laughs> well, I mean, this is all great reminders to have your onboarding process laid out before you start um, voting people in. Yeah. And make sure that you... Um, are dotting your I's and crossing your T's when it comes to that stuff uh, because it's really important. I feel like that is the theme of this entire four-part series. Like, have a process, have it documented, make sure you know what happens when, make sure that candidates are aware of that as well. Um, It's going to help your staff who are having to manage a good piece of this as well as your board nominating or governance committee that are really pushing this through. And one more thing I want to go back to before we wrap this is um, around, I think this happens so often with board members. I mean, they are your biggest volunteers, Mm -hmm. and yet somehow their process doesn't go through the process of your normal volunteers or your regular volunteers. And that even happens, I think, sometimes with the acknowledgement part and, you know, showing gratitude. Um, And so... I think that it's important. I mean, I know I've worked at places where the volunteer manager never met the board members. For sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so what a way to empower your staff yeah. and to create a bridge for some of your staff to get to know your board members by involving, if you have a position that manages volunteers, to be involved in that process as well. Mm, I love that. Absolutely. So the moral of the story now is – Make sure you actually have an onboarding process. Yeah. Right? Like all of these things we have seen not be in place. And so often. It sets the organization, the board up for some real struggles and conflict. Yeah, it does. Totally. Totally. Because these are powerful positions. These board members are making decisions that affect everybody in the organization. And it's yucky when... As a staff member, you feel like this person's just kind of picked, been picked out of thin air and doesn't know anything about anything that's happening on a daily basis within the organization. Um, and sometimes that's on the board member, and a lot of times that's on us and the organization for not, not getting them up to speed properly. Absolutely. So that's, that's a high level on onboarding. Why is it important? Yep. What are some of the things to look for or to avoid? There's, of course, a lot more. I mean, this 
we could do a four-part series on onboarding. But next week, we're going to cover retention. So mm-hmm. you've brought the awesome board members on. You've gotten them ready and equipped. How do you actually keep them at least until the end of their term, if not for a second term? Exactly. Well, we want to hear from you. Do you have an onboarding process already established, <laughs> no, formalized, just, just written out? Do you have onboarding? <laughs> exactly. Do you? <laughs> do you? If you do, let us know. If you don't, let us know. <laughs> How can they reach us? You can email us, nonprofitreform at gmail.com. You can also be following us on Facebook and Instagram at Nonprofit Reframe. Please support your local nonprofits. Give and give generously. Thanks, folks. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.